Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Nitzavim Shvi'i, the seventh Aliyah in Parashas Nitzavim. Our Aliyah is on the topic of the ultimate choice. It is six Pesukim long, running from Perek Lament, Posuk Tezov to Chav. And for a basic summary of our Aliyah, the Aliyah tells us the following. Then we'll consider some points to ponder. First, Hashem tells the nation of Israel, See, I've placed in front of you today life and good on the one side and death and bad on the other side. I'm commanding you today to love Hashem, to go in His ways, to keep His commandments. And if so, if you do that, you'll multiply and be blessed in the land that Hashem gives to you. But if your heart will turn astray, you won't listen to Hashem. You serve other powers in the world. I'm telling you now that you'll be destroyed, says Hashem. You will not have a long life on your land. And therefore, Hashem says, I'm, bearing, I'm bringing to bear witnesses against you, the heavens and the earth, that, the, that their life and the death, blessing and curse have been placed in front of you. You should choose life, to love Hashem and to, to cling to Him and to listen to Him. He is your life and your longevity to dwell on the land which Hashem has given to your patriarchs, so which Hashem swore to give to your patriarchs. So this is the, the, it seems to be such an obvious aliyah. It seems so obvious that we have to choose life. Who wouldn't choose life? But it's remarkable how many people don't. Let's try to understand this aliyah in, in basic terms. The one most important question over here is the following. Why is it in this framework of events that the heavens and the earth are the ones who act as witnesses? Why does Hashem call them to witness? Rashi yields three interpretations. Two are here in this parasha, and one is at the very beginning of parasha Sahazinu, skipping a week. Rashi first says that the heavens and the earth are called to witness because they are around forever. They will be there in the future events. How can Moshe Rabbeinu possibly call to the witness dock anybody who won't be there to be able to witness and actually ascertain that B'nai Yisrael are doing the correct thing or not the correct thing? Only the heavens and the earth will be everlasting. The beginning of our Zin Rashi gives another explanation, and that is that the heavens and the earth themselves are not just the witnesses, but the agents of blessing or retribution. They bring the rains, the storms, the drought, the fertility. Therefore, if you're going to listen, they will yield the good. If, they do, if you don't, they will yield the bad, God forbid. Finally, Rashi has a, a, a third explanation, which is here in Parashas Hitzavim, where he says that it's based on a Kalvachomer, on a logical build-up. And that is, the heavens and earth do what they're supposed to. They're consistent and constant, even though they receive no reward for what they do. So, the way Rashi gives an example is, did you ever plant seed A and plant B grew? Did you, did, was there ever a case where it rained and something didn't grow properly as it should have? No, they follow the laws of nature. They follow what they're supposed to be doing, even though there's no reward and punishment. So you who receive reward and punishment, call Shekin, you should definitely be doing the will of God. This Rashi is very difficult to understand because that's precisely the point. The reason that we receive reward is because we have another choice. Nature doesn't have another choice. It's programmed. There's an algorithm. So how could we possibly be learning from it? The way I understand this is based on a very fascinating essay that Rav Eliyahu Desla has called Kuntra Sabahira, the essay on free will. He points out that most human beings actually are not choosing a vast majority of things in their lives. They're not making choices every day about very big decisions. There's what's called Nakudas Abakhira, what are called the spaces in which, in, in between which people make decisions. His analogy is to imagine the trench warfare in World War I. The actual war was between France and the Allies and Germany and the powers on the other side on, in the East. But the actual war front was between two sets of trenches. And the war went back a few meters and, for, and forward a few meters, depending which orientation you're looking at it from. So the war front was actually a very small area. The covered territory was behind in each side. He says that's how our free will works. 
is that in a certain sense, we're a person who has made great strides, whether it be they're brought up in a very wholesome environment or they've made strides in the wholesome decision making. Those decisions about, let's say, basics, keeping Shabbos not, uh, and keeping kosher are not decisions to them. They're not really big challenges to them. Those conquered territory where their battlefronts are, what they look at, what they think about. Whereas other people perhaps grew up in more um, compromised backgrounds or people who uh, allow themselves to, to, to float downstream, their decision making is with more, with more basics about keeping Shabbos, about keeping kosher. That's where they're in a Kodos HaBechira, that's where the battlefront is being fought. The person can conquer territory that becomes habituated and they no longer are fighting about that. Or it could be that they lose territory and the things that beforehand were habituated are now part of the contest and the battlefront itself. So in a certain sense, if you think about it, if let's say a person is constantly growing in their life and trying to advance, then essentially they're covering more and more territory and they're habituating more and more of the decision making, which means that a person who becomes a real, real, called a real expert in themselves and their own morality will come to a stage where most of what their decision making in life is very, very fine, very subtle ideas, thoughts upon thoughts, how thoughts even come into their minds and the basics are already pre-programmed, already habituated because of the decision making they made in the past. Perhaps that's what Rashi is saying. Maybe our goal in life is to become more like the heavens and the earth, to become more like an algorithm, to become more natural, more habitually used to the correct things. Let's make more conquered territory in our lives to be natural when we serve Hashem. That perhaps is what Rashi is saying. And finally, there's one very, very interesting idea that the Oznayim Torah of Sarotskin suggested in this Aliyah, and that he says that the human being is, a, is composed of opposites, the soul and the earth. And when a person is put together, therefore, there are pools in both directions. There are the pools of the earthly matter and there are the pools of the spiritual matter in a human being. What is it that's going to guide the decision making? Are they going to always indulge themselves, whether it be in eating bodily pleasures, this worldly material involvement or spiritual pursuits? Those are two decision makings which are coming from different components of the human being. If a human being were in heaven and surrounded by spiritual ideas, then yes, it would be much easier for the spirit to make the decisions correctly. If they were in between, if the human being was suspended between heaven and earth, this always does not mean to say that a person is levitating on top of a mountaintop. This means to say between the ideas of the spirit and the ideas of the material then it would be a balanced decision-making, yet the human being is upon earth. Which means to say that it's actually much harder because a person is in the environment of one component of the human being, which is the material body. Therefore, it makes it much harder to make those balanced decisions. So how do we? Well, as Naima Torah suggests, a very beautiful idea, and that is that when we learn Torah, we bring the Shekhinah down to this earth. It's a mission in Perikavos. Even if it's one person, there the Hashem is wherever a person is learning Torah. Which means the way to make good decisions is to bring heaven down upon earth. Then when one is in, in such an environment, decision-making for the soul will obviously be more spiritual. So the first point of making decisions is to be in a spiritual environment, then make those decisions. And therefore, this actually brings together the last a few aliyahs. How is it that we're going to get there? Is loy more? Torah is not in heaven. If you want to do Teshuvah, if you want to get to the right place, what you need to do is learn Torah. Realize it's The Torah is right here. When you learn it, you bring Hashem down to earth. When you bring Hashem down to earth, then you can make the right decisions. You can you can choose life because you're now surrounded by the spiritual sphere, almost as if you are in heavens. And that's perhaps the decision-making process that a person needs to engage in. And we all know this to be natural. The more that we're involved in spiritual, the better decisions we make. And we make better decisions in those environments than in environments where, where they're made on a whim or perhaps in a different environment. This is the closing of Pashas and Sagan. Have a wonderful and meaningful day.